When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. I don't see any reason to think that we will have a serious recession. When the recession hits, which will be a 2023 event, the market will find the bottom. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. This legislation is real progress, but more has to be done. He's going to Saudi Arabia to ask for oil. He didn't like Saudi Arabia. I did. I always liked them. I am a mama grizzly, and I'll rear up on my hind legs when somebody comes after my cubs. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Most Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run for re-election, so says the New York Times. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as talk about a possible recession grows louder and more than 60% of Democrats tell pollsters they want a new face in the White House. We talk about the communication strategy and the historic headwinds facing the Biden agenda coming up with Jane Hall, political science professor at American University. Later, one of the biggest economic stories that no one is talking about, Obamacare subsidies expire at the end of the year and Democrats may not be able to prevent it. We'll talk about it with the architect of the Affordable Care Act, Professor John Gruber of MIT. And our signature panel in place here on a Monday, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us. President Biden speaking to the benefits of bipartisanship today in a sunny White House ceremony to celebrate the gun safety legislation that passed weeks ago. Here he is on the South Lawn. Make no mistake about it. This legislation is real progress, but more has to be done. The provision of this new legislation is going to save lives. It's proof that today's politics, we can come together on a bipartisan basis to get basis to get important things done, even on an issue as tough as guns. Well, on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue, Democrats and Republicans arguing over a reconciliation bill that Senator Chuck Schumer is pushing, by the way, Schumer testing positive for COVID last night. Even as that bill, this reconciliation bill, Build Back Better Light, as I've been calling it, threatens to derail the China competes legislation that includes the CHIP Act. We've got these two things. Democrats want them both passed. Mitch McConnell, though, he says no to reconciliation. You guys do that. I'm out on the CHIP deal. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo telling Bloomberg today 
The CHIP Act, the China Competes Act, USICA, whatever you want to call it, it's got about 50 different names, will pass despite what you've been hearing. This just a day after she told ABC News that the U.S. is not going into a recession. Here she is. I do think at some point, you know, we will see uh, a less rapid growth in the economy. But I don't see any reason to think that we will have uh, a serious recession. Will not have a serious recession. A lot of people do think we are. As a matter of fact, Lee Cooperman is one of them. He told Bloomberg today that a recession is coming, not this year, but next. Not a great recipe for November. And when we talk later on this hour with Jonathan Gruber, we'll add another iron to the fire here with the the prospect of Obamacare subsidies expiring by the end of the year. Now, a new poll from the New York Times at Siena College finds 64% of Democratic voters would prefer a different nominee than Joe Biden in 2024. Now, we've got a long way to go before 24, but this is not the headline the White House wanted today. The president in this poll, I had to double check this, has a 33% job approval rating. Now, is this all about inflation or does this White House have a major messaging problem? We talk about it right now with Jane Hall, political science professor in the communication school at American University here in Washington, author of the new book, Politics in the Media, Intersections and New Directions. Jane, thank you for being here. When you see a 33% approval rating, has the White House lost the narrative? I think that they have a very difficult task ahead of him and them. They did initially have trouble getting credit for a lot of the legislation that he got through early on that Mm -hmm. were pieces of legislation that helped the American people uh, through COVID. Um, the, The jobs report is very strong, but people are concerned about inflation and people are concerned about a coming recession possibility. I mean, it couldn't be more uh, stark in the sense that uh, he is facing a challenge from progressives to his left, saying they want him to do more on guns. So he's just touting a new bill. But a lot of people feel it should include a ban on assault weapons, uh, including some of the families that were involved in this legislation. Uh, He was interrupted today. I don't know if you saw this on the South Lawn. Manuel uh, Oliver interrupted the the event. This is, of course, father of one of the Parkland uh, victims. He was disgusted. He showed up there just to yell at the president and told the uh, Miami Herald after that this whole thing was the event itself uh, was a bad idea. Um, This is a president that can't seem to win at the moment as he prepares to go abroad to Saudi Arabia. That's going to upset both progressives who think that he's, you know, forgetting the human rights record there, not acknowledging it, and Republicans who want him to drill more here, Jane. So he literally can't win. He's really, he's really, he is, as we say in the South, caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, he is facing people who are concerned in his party over what they see as a too tepid response to the Supreme Court decisions on abortion. Uh, on the environment, to what a lot of people on his side of the ledger uh, are concerned about is a rout uh, in Congress in the midterm elections. I mean, uh, this would not be unprecedented, of course, for a president and his party to lose uh, seats after being elected in a midterm. But right. the Republicans are so well organized and, and so well 
there's a lot of enthusiasm on their side for what I think of as more cultural issues. Uh, and a lot of people are saying that they want the Biden administration to take the lead. Um, and he's got a very, very difficult situation. He is a man who is steeped in bipartisanship, mm-hmm. still speaks of his Republican friends. Right. And um, he's not he's not you know, even when he makes a very forceful statement about gun control right after mm-hmm. uh, a mass shooting, right after Ubaldi. Um, there are still people who think, including that that man whose child was killed, yeah, it's uh, not enough. You need to do more. You shouldn't be congratulating yourself. I think we're in a very unusual situation, also in terms of our media environment, Joe. Because well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, now, you covered yeah. a number, a number of as a news person, as a journalist, you covered a number of administrations. You've seen the malaise. I hate to always use that word because everybody says Jimmy Carter, but this kind of you know, this difficult historical period as you go into the midterms following the election of a new president, not so new at this point. Uh, but how much of this is the responsibility of the communications office? How much of this actually is the messaging, the lack of victory lap or whatever it is that you want to call it? When you look at this New York Times poll, something is off here. You started our conversation talking about uh, some of the major accomplishments uh, nobody even remembers the infrastructure bill at this point. That was supposed to be historic, Jane. How much of this is the story then that the White House is telling? I think I think initially their messaging w- was not good, and uh, I had a journalist tell me that they that they thought the Biden administration expected them to be more favorable, and I think that people were determined to prove they were they were going to be as tough on Biden as they were on Trump. I, wow. I happen to believe that's true. But I think that now we're in a situation where half the country's not paying attention to the very serious allegations against Donald Trump with the congressional committee hearings not being watched by people who watch Fox News and mm. being watched by other people. Um, you know, he there's a lot that he can point to. There's a long time between now and 2024. I think that another concern is a generational one. You know, whom do they have on the bench uh, if it's not Biden? You know, whom do they have to run and what will they do in 2022? You know, will my students come out to vote and how will they vote? In Uh, 22 or 24? In 22. uh, How will they come out to vote in November? Sorry, Mm -hmm. Joe. You know, how will they come out? Will they come out? Uh, When you speak to a lot of young people, they are very disturbed by the state of the world and you can't blame them. You know, well, that's right. And, and President Biden seems to think that there'll be a, a female revolution at, at the polls. And, and, and maybe the pollsters aren't capturing that right now. But you're the one who grabbed onto inflation. And that's what everyone seems to agree is the fact the driving principle here, or what, what people will carry into the, the voting booth uh, with them, which doesn't leave a lot. My gosh. So what if they get this reconciliation bill or maybe the CHIPS Act happens? Some CEOs are happy about that. Uh, Wall Street likes that. But people aren't talking about Yusika uh, around the dinner table, Jane. <laughs> well, you're, you're right, they're not. And I think it's up to the Democrats and the Biden administration to find ways to better tout, you know, the jobs report. Uh, I mean, when you're dealing with fear of what might happen psychologically, that is a pretty powerful thing, as mm-hmm. opposed to, hey, look what we've just done for you. They have to somehow say, this is what we've done for you. We're on it regarding inflation. We're doing the right moves. And, you know, somehow he's getting blamed and the Republicans are blaming him. So if they don't find a way to tout their own achievements and also to capitalize on what is a lot of anger in this country among women right. over the over the abortion ruling, that's where I think a lot of a lot of the Democratic 
uh, operatives are hoping that this can be something people will come out and vote on. But mm-hmm. if but Biden's struggling, I think, to find his way on on what he's going to do about that. What can he do? What will make a difference? When you look at this poll, you see 64 percent of Democratic voters, this again, New York Times, uh, prefer a different nominee in 24. I'm curious for your view on this. You see sometimes how polls evolve through an election cycle. This sort of generic test that we're doing uh, at this stage of the game, what if it's Biden versus Trump? What if there's a name on the other side of it, Jane? How does that change people's feelings? Oh, that totally changes people's feelings. If, you know, when when it's somebody against nobody, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, yeah. When you have a poll that, that, that puts Donald Trump in 2024 against Joe Biden, then I think you, you know, the polling is showing that, that Biden would, would beat Trump. I think what you're seeing now is people trying to figure out what about his age? How big yes, a right. factor is that? But it's and, a factor for both of them, right? Are we going to relive the last election? Are we doing this again? I hope not. I mean, you <laughs> know, again, I think of my students You know, I heard um, AOC talk on one of the talk shows a couple of weeks ago about what she thought was the need for new faces. Yes, that's right. Which I thought was a delicate way of saying, let's bring your people in. That's right. Amtrak, Joe, it's a one-way ride home. I don't know. We'll see. Jane, I'm glad you could come in. I've been looking forward to the conversation. Jane Hall with us, American University, the book, Politics in the Media, Intersections, New Directions. And we assemble our panel next to pick up right here with Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano on the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The White House says again the economy is not going into a recession. At least not a bad one. And there's always a chance of that. But Wall Street seems to think differently as articulated by legendary investor Leon Cooperman, chair of Omega Advisors. He was on Bloomberg Surveillance talking about this this morning. Give him a listen. I think that ultimately the price of oil or the Fed or maybe the strong dollar uh, will lead us into a recession. And when the recession hits, which will be a 2023 event when it hits, not 2022, that the market will find the bottom 
somewhere between 35 and 40 percent below its peak of 4,800. So next year, worse than this year? What does that mean for 24? Let's assemble the panel. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano with us here on the Monday edition, our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics Contributors on Sound On. what I meant to say, Jeannie, uh, we've got some trouble here, uh, if that's the case. People are feeling the impact of inflation now, and we'd see the results, according to Lee Cooperman, by next year in the form of a recession. Of course, some people think we are already in one. The governor of New Hampshire over the weekend on the Sunday talk shows was calling for the firing of Janet Yellen for misleading the American people. The messaging, again, seems to come back into our conversation on an almost daily basis. What does the White House need to be saying about it? You know, they need to be addressing it head on. And, you know, we heard Sununu, as you mentioned, over the weekend. You know, it is astonishing to me because when the job numbers came out, oh, what was that, Friday, what (laughs) we were told in a, you know, briefly in the minute that Joe Biden talked about them was this eased recession fears. And yet over the weekend, Gina Raimondo aside, there was this drumbeat that that's not the case. And so, you know, they need to come out and address this and they need to stop stepping on their own good messages. And I'll give you another one. Gas prices, gas prices, gas prices, oil prices going down. Why aren't they talking more about that? So they've got to do that. And I, you know, I said on Friday, they should not have melded this, the EO with the jobs numbers. They should have done both if they could have. The Roe v. Wade speech. Yeah, the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs speech, because that does muddy the waters there. And the one thing I heard, I will tell you from progressives through today, was Mm -hmm. they didn't listen to a word about the jobs. All they heard was the president say, go vote. And that annoyed them, you know, and annoyed is a kind way of saying how they felt about that message. (laughs) Rick, uh, you've spent a career advising politicians sometimes when they were not doing well. Is it time for like a victory parade down Pennsylvania Avenue to draw people's attention to what has happened? Well, I'm not exactly sure declaring victory at this stage is going to actually reconnect Joe Biden with the American people. You got all the jobs back that were lost in COVID. Isn't that at least in itself worth something? I I, I think it is. Uh, This administration has chosen to sort of kick it to the curb. Uh, As Jeannie said, they spent more time, frankly, talking about abortion than the success of their jobs initiatives. Um, But the problem is you're in this weird pinch, right? Because in order to ensure that we don't have a recession, joblessness has to go up. Our our dear friend, Larry Summers, talks about the sacrifice ratio. (laughs) And we need to lose 10 million jobs in order to stop from having a recession and calls Powell too optimistic. So, I mean, we're in a very strange environment where success is failure and failure would be success. Uh, uh, more unemployment will encourage uh, uh, us not to go into recession. And Mm -hmm. so uh, the minute Joe Biden goes out there, his own team is saying things that are sort of the antithesis of declaring success on the jobs front. We had kind of the opposite today, the president on the South Lawn to celebrate the new gun safety bill. Uh, It was a huge ceremony. My goodness, half of Capitol Hill was there along with stakeholders, along with uh, victims, uh, family members from from uh, mass shootings, and one of them showed up, talked about this briefly with Jane Hall, to heckle the president, to stand up and interrupt this event. That's Manuel Oliver, uh, the father of one of the students killed uh, at the Marjorie uh, Stoneman Douglas High School. He is now an activist, of course. I want you to listen to here. President Biden's going to be talking about the signing of this bill. 
and you'll hear what happens from there. Today's many things is proof that despite the naysayers, we can make meaningful progress on dealing with gun violence. Because make no mistake, sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. If you think Manuel Oliver now stands up. We cannot hear what he's saying. Nobody picked it up on the microphone. He's wearing a T-shirt and a jacket. Right there, he says, I've been trying to tell you this for years. Let him talk. Let him talk. No one. Okay. Well, they didn't let him talk. The Secret Service dragged him out of the ceremony, which tends to happen when you stand up uh, and interrupt the president. Uh, Jeannie, this again is what you're talking about. Progressives are not getting enough, even as Republicans say they're going nowhere with this president. The left of his party is sounding a lot like they are. They are. And, and, you know, that was sort of a perfect example of what we've been seeing. Here was the president trying to celebrate the work he's done. You know, I was not a big fan of this, you know, bill, which I can hardly call a gun bill. I, I, I agree with Mr. Oliver. But, you know, it was a step forward. It was bipartisan to Rick Davis's point. Yeah. Yet they're trying to celebrate it. And the president gets heckled at his own event. Progressives are outraged. They're frustrated. They're disappointed. And, you know, just briefly back to inflation, if the president wants to know what happens when people get frustrated by inflation, look at what's going on in Sri Lanka right now. They have descended to the palace to oust the guy. They're in the swimming pool right now, Jeannie. They're in the pool. And and that's, I'm afraid, where we're headed, although I I should not say that. (laughs) God forbid. Uh, Rick, uh, in in 30 seconds here, was that an opportunity missed? Should the president have gone out and hugged him? Um, well, uh, I think what the opportunity was is they hadn't dealt with the guy well in advance of this. And yeah. this is another miss by the administration. Oh, boy. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. Uh, our signature panel, of course, here on Bloomberg Sound On. To the next potential problem for this White House next. It's about Obamacare. We'll have Jonathan Gruber with us on Bloomberg. There's another deadline hanging over Democrats in Washington. The expiration of enhanced subsidies for people who get health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. They were enhanced during COVID, and they expire at the end of this year unless Democrats can find a solution. They may have, but we want to talk about how this all works and how much of an impact it would actually have with the architect of Obamacare, MIT economist Professor Jonathan Gruber. He's with us now on Bloomberg Sound On. Jonathan, welcome back to Bloomberg. Good to be here, Joe. The Washington Post calls it a looming disaster and a ticking time bomb. What do you call this? Uh, I call this a, a, a real failure of government policy to take advantage of, uh, of an opportunity to, uh, to ensure that health insurance is affordable for millions of Americans. Hmm. Look, I think it's useful, Joe, to have a little background. So yeah. when we passed the Affordable Care Act back in 2010, uh, President Obama was very serious about making sure that it was not only deficit neutral, but deficit reducing. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was the subsidies were the subsidies that people could use to buy health insurance on the exchanges were not quite as generous as they should have been. And I think the feeling was, look, let's get this ball rolling, and eventually they'll be made more generous. Hmm. That followed after 2016 with the Trump administration undercutting the ACA exchanges in ways that dramatically raised the premiums on the exchanges, leading to a situation where basically unless you get a government subsidy – it's pretty hard to afford coverage on these exchanges. Yeah. So COVID brought the subsidies. So, so in response to COVID, uh, the Biden administration uh, added uh, subsidies, which made it more affordable for people to get insurance on the exchange. In particular, it ended the so-called subsidy cliff, oh. 
yeah. above which where people above four times the poverty line. So to fix ideas, that's about a hundred grand for a family of four. A hundred grand is, is is not nothing. That that that's above the average income in America. But it's also a point at which health insurance can still be a large share of income if you're older in an expensive area of the country. So basically the situation where you have people who really were uh, c- could see their premiums go up 100 percent or more uh, wow. if we if we get rid of these subsidies that are put in by the Biden administration. 100 percent or more. The Urban Institute estimates the expiration could add hundreds of dollars uh, to the annual premium payments for the lowest earners and leave over three million people uninsured. Jonathan, do you see those numbers that way? Look, uh, the numbers are hard to predict, but the direction is unbelievably clear. And I think, remember, two things will happen if these expire. It's very important to separate them. First of all, many low-income people will pay more money, and some will lose insurance. More relevant is the middle-income people for whom before the exchanges were unaffordable, because as I said, the sabotage that was undertaken during the Trump administration really raised premiums to the roof. They will lose act, they will, it will become simply unaffordable for them. It won't be a matter of hundreds, it's a matter of thousands. Hmm. And so really, these are both problems. It's both about making these premiums more affordable for the lowest income people who are in these ACA exchanges, but also giving, really getting access for middle income people to this important government program. A group of Democratic governors sent a letter to Congress over a week ago urging them to act on this uh, as we head for the midterm elections. It's not just Congress, of course, being reelected here. Is there anything that can be done on the state level that governors themselves could do? You know, um, yes. I mean, governors could do what we do in Massachusetts, which is in Massachusetts, we actually top up the federal premiums to make the program more generous for our state residents. Yeah. But that's expensive. Uh, and that's not really not the job of the states. It's the federal program. The federal government should be making it happen. So not likely to be duplicated. So I, 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 I don't think it's likely to happen. Look, you're no stranger to politics uh, here, Professor. It's to solve this in the weeks and months ahead of the midterm elections may well be impossible. That would leave almost no time following November to get this done before the end of the year. You know, this should be a major talking point in the campaigns for, for you know, in the election. If, if, if we cannot get this done, the voters should understand that electing, turning Congress over the Republicans means this simply will not happen. Mm-hmm. While leaving Congress in the hands of the Democrats at least leaves some chance it will. So it's clear who's for this and who's against it. Uh, it's clear that uh, the Democratic Party would like this to happen. It remain, there remains conversations on, on the Reconciliation Act. That is a bill that could be passed with only Democratic votes, uh, which would include extending these subsidies. Um, but um, they, they have to do that on a partisan basis because Republicans have been uniformly opposed to extending these subsidies, which make insurance affordable for millions of Americans. And I think that's something voters need to think hard about as they cast their votes in November. Professor Gruber, I want to ask you about some of the comments that President Biden made as he was discussing reproductive rights for women as part of uh, an executive order he was signing here. He talked about the the ACA and what it does here. It guarantees coverage of contraception. But what policies do insurers have to honor with when it comes to reproductive rights? Are there any? Well, no, I mean, this is this is this is the next big battle coming, Joe, and, and which is that basically the, there is a mandate on insurers that they must cover contraception, but it does not spell out exactly uh, what that means. If they're on the exchange, it does spell out what it means. So on the exchanges, it specifically spells a set of benefits, mm-hmm. one of which is the so-called Plan B bill. 
Um, what happens if a state suddenly says the Plan B bill they've decided is abortion, not going to cover it? Right. Well, then suddenly you have state law in conflict with this federal law, and it's going to go to the courts. Uh, and, so if the federal um, law you know, doesn't automatically court- override the state law. That, that's that's a legal no, no, problem. No, it, it does. I mean, insurers are insurance regulations are traditionally not at the state level. Yeah. Is Plan B considered contraception from well, the legal that point is, of view? That's exactly the question. Because contraception, then I think we're in a very different situation than if a state declares it an abor- abortion. Yep. Where they've just outlawed abortion. If they start rolling Plan B into their definition of abortion, then suddenly they can say insurers shouldn't cover it. And insurers, you know, state law typically takes precedence here. So suddenly you could see millions of women who have had tens of millions of women who've had this uh, reproductive um, uh, right uh, allowed to them. Take it. You could have it taken away. Things are about to get confusing here. Professor Jonathan Gruber, economist at MIT and architect of Romney Care and Obamacare. It's great to have you back on Bloomberg. Thanks. Good to be here. Anytime. We'll get the panel's take on this next. Can Democrats handle this in reconciliation? As Jonathan suggests, that might be the one swing at the ball that they're going to get. And President Biden's packing bags. Well, somebody is at the White House. Two days from now, they head to Israel and then on to Saudi Arabia. Will it result in more oil? We'll reassemble the panel next and hear from Rick and Jeannie on the fastest hour in politics. Sound on. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. So based on what we've learned this hour, the best case scenario for Democrats in Washington ahead of the midterms is passing that China competes bill with the CHIP Act with the help of some Republicans and also finding a way to pass a reconciliation bill that includes a prescription drug component we've already heard about, but now also extends subsidies for the Affordable Care Act. The worst case Nothing gets done. Let's reassemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Rick, is reconciliation uh, suddenly then the most important item on the list for this White House? We know lawmakers are gone the better part of of August. Then it's back to campaigning, I'm assuming, after that. This is the time now, right? Yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, they are running down the clock. And, and, and even though reconciliation can be 
uh, hot burner. Uh, it's, it's still going to require some effort to convince Democrats and including our friend Joe Manchin from mm. West Virginia mm. to, to buy in. But it is their number one talking point right now as to what they want to try and sell to the American public uh, in advance of the elections in November. So uh, my guess is, yes, they're going to put all their chips in this basket. Did I frame this properly, Jeannie? Because this ACA issue that we just discussed with Jonathan Gruber is something that's not in the mainstream conversation yet. There have been a couple of columns, a couple of op-eds, but this has to get a lot louder for people to respond, right? That's right. And it is critically important. And that's why it's so important you had that conversation. Um, you know, for the Democrats, this has been something that they have been wanting to do. They have talked an awful lot about it. But I still am skeptical, number one, because of the calendar. Number two, as Rick mentioned, because not just Joe Manchin, but Kristen Cinema as well. And then number three, imagine this, even if they get a deal in the Senate, and that would be a big deal if they get something, how do they get something like this through the House? Just look at my state, for instance, the salt issue. That yep. has been a critical issue. I don't know that Democrats are going to accept changes to the tax code without changes to salt in the House. So there's a number of, of, of hurdles here, obviously, in a very short period of time. Rick, you spent a, a good chunk of your career in the upper chamber. What about that Wild West chamber known as the House? Look, I, I think that no matter what comes out of the Senate, if something came out of the Senate, and especially if it includes this fix to the ACA, which is yeah. really important to Democratic constituencies, uh, they got to eat it. Uh, and they got to eat it quick because they are running out of time, as we've talked about. So I, actually, I think it's a, the best possible strategy is to force the House to have to act on it without any time available and get hmm. their backs up against the wall and say, you either take it or leave it and don't be the ones that beat this deal. So. Uh, they will come under incredible pressure by the Biden administration to give him something he can sign before Labor Day. We haven't talked about the trip very much yet, but we need to get into it because uh, there are a lot of reporters on their way to the Middle East right now, not to mention the White House advance crew that's been there for some time. The president is coming. It's going to be Israel. And yes, it's going to be Saudi Arabia. And you know who was talking about it over the weekend? Not just White House surrogates trying to tamp down this image of the president going hat in hand, begging for oil. But Donald Trump went up to Alaska uh, to do a, an event, and, and he got to it. Here's the former president. Instead of energy independence, the U.S. is becoming an absolute beggar for energy. You see what they're doing? He's going to Saudi Arabia to ask for oil. He didn't like Saudi Arabia. I did. I always liked him. But he didn't like him. Now he's going there and he's asking for oil. Please give us energy. That's how the country is going to be looking at this Right, Jeannie? Why is the White House going out of its way to sort of frame this as a security trip? Why not just say this president's getting on an airplane to get your gas prices lower? Yeah, we heard the president over the weekend with this op-ed that they put out, and, and mm -hmm. he's trying to, you know, sort of defend, you know, uh, sort of walk back, I guess, or defend the statements he made as a campaigner, and now that he is president, and the message seems to be that he is not going to give the Saudis a blank check like the Trump administration did, but he understands they're a strategic partner of, you know, a number of years, 80-plus years, and the goal is to reorient those relationships, not rupture them. Mm. That's the message coming out of the White House. Whether it sells 
schools is another question because, of course, one big question is it going to, you know, uh, is it going to succeed in reducing gas prices, which are already going down to a certain extent? Yep. But then, of course, there's the optics of this. You know, does he shake hands with the prince? You know, does he say anything about the killing of Jamal Khashoggi? All of these things which should he be fascinating to. to watch. Well, that's true. So, you know, we heard from Terry Haynes today, the uh, founder of Pangea Policy, and he was talking about uh, what's waiting for Joe Biden there, that it, that it might not actually be what he thinks, that, that things are pretty tapped out already. Here's Terry Haynes. OPEC has already, at the Saudis' behest, uh, increased pumping slightly, uh, something that was seen as both kind of a welcome mat for Biden and a pushback at the Russians a bit. Uh, so the benefit on oil that uh, the United States and the president gets out of this has already happened. So what's the point? If that's the case, Rick, he said that on Bloomberg today, there's going to be a big disappointment when he comes home. Well, I, I hate to call it a quid pro quo, but it sounds like a quid pro quo. You know, you get those oil prices down, you manipulate OPEC, you knock the Russians out, and uh, I'll come shake your hand. Uh, the reality, too, is it's not to be missed here. The, the, the Biden op-ed did lay out this you know, large, very broad initiative that the U.S. has been involved in to bring allied groups together, you know, in the region as a deterrence to the Iranian uh, uh, activity uh, mm -hmm. throughout the world. And, and, and it is a legitimate argument to say that part of this is to go and unite that. Now, he's going to need some kind of an announcement out of that, you know, that, that we've created. Many people call it the, uh, the, the Middle East NATO uh, but getting all these countries, especially Saudi Arabia and Israel, to talk to one another uh, is going to be a high priority. Uh, and, and it's not to be missed by anybody that, that we're still not hearing any progress on the Iranian nuclear deal, yeah. old time called JCPOA, because I don't think the Israelis would show up for this meeting if there was progress there. So uh, he might have a moment in time here to actually draw attention away from the oil discussion and into Middle East. Well, look, uh, there's a uh, lot here, Rick. Why, why not call this then the trip to Israel? Well, I, I think that he would probably like to call it the trip to Israel, except none of us are going to let him. No. Uh, and, and the reality is that uh, he's, he's walking into not a totally secure situation. You've got politics in Israel that have taken a turn for the worse. They're right smack dab in the middle of elections. You know, in a very complicated situation in Saudi Arabia about publicly opening new relations with Israel, even though there have been ongoing conversations with Israel on creating a deterrence to Iran for quite some time. So uh, if he can get uh, Saudi Arabia, if Biden can get Saudi Arabia to join the uh, Abraham Accords uh, mm -hmm. or create some kind of a diplomatic relations with Israel, you know, it could be an interesting trip. Would that make it worthwhile, Jeannie? Would people maybe not complain as much about the ask for oil? Uh, they're going to complain either way, I think. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, listen. Are. This is this is the challenge. You know, it's one thing to be a candidate and talk about people as pariahs and having no socially redeeming value. The reality is, when you're president, you have to balance these values and these interests, and that's what he is going to do. But he's walking a tightrope because of things that he said. The reality is, Saudi Arabia is a critical is a critical partner for the United States, and the president has no choice but to suck it up and go over there. There, that's what he's doing. We know he doesn't want to but the assessment is he has to get over there for iran for china for all of these different reasons for israel that that rick just laid out he's got to get over there and he's doing it but the optics are going to be very difficult for them to handle the, does that op-ed uh influence anyone rick the president has started doing this more often when things get 
uh, difficult. It's t- it tends to a big speech or a trip will be preceded by an op-ed in uh, what the, the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, based on what we've seen. It's the Times this time around. People don't read newspapers anymore. Is it is is, is this a letter to Washington? Who's the audience? Well, we're, we're talking about it. So, we are, but we're weird. You know. We're weird and uh, we're nerds, but uh, the reality is that it is a way to get your message out without the uh, without the filter of the media. And yeah. the media is going to start and stop every conversation about Saudi Arabia, about uh, uh, Khashoggi. And, and, and this was a way of actually doing something in the media that he didn't have to get framed that way. And mm-hmm. he was able to get some of that discussion about security deterrence in the region into an article. Um, how does he it's, handle it's the Khashoggi situation? He said look, he's going to bring it up. How do you prove that you brought it up when nobody was in the room? I think basically you, you got to bring it up. And, and then you got to have uh, both members walk out and give a readout uh, mm-hmm. where it was discussed. You can't have one party that said it wasn't talked about and another party said it was. MBS is not going to say that, though, is he, Jeannie? No, but, you know, this is Joe Biden. Didn't he look at Putin in the face and call him a, a killer? So, you know, he's he's done this before. And I agree. I think he has to do it again. And I'm going to wear mm-hmm. my nerd hat with pride. I, I did read Thank the you. op-ed. Thank you, Joe Matthews. Of course you did. <laughs> you look fantastic with that hat as well. Um, I don't know where where this is going to end up here, Rick. It's, it's going to take him a couple of days to get to Jeddah, right? He's going to be a couple of days in Israel and then it's down to Saudi Arabia. There's going to be a lot of media waiting for him. To your point, though, this is a very carefully choreographed event. Will there be much speechifying? Does he need to be talking on this trip? You know, I think he'll uh, he'll frame the trip and mm-hmm. and talk about what success is, uh, and then and then it ideally is pre baked, and 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 everybody sort of plays their role in making whatever public statements they can to reinforce that. Look, the region wants U.S there for security deterrence. Mm-hmm. It really needs it. We need to be there to be a, a factor in the region. We cannot cede the Middle East to China. And Saudi Arabia is the cog in the wheel. And so huh. hopefully this is all orchestrated. Diplomat- diplomatic ways uh, should prevail. It's going to be delicate staging, Jeannie. No bicycles, no bike riding on this trip, right? That's right, but lots of not so nerd hats, Joe. So <laughs> Good, we'll have fair on. enough. <laughs> all right, so this is where we pick it up tomorrow. With Rick and Jeannie, our signature panel on the fastest hour in politics. Subscribe to the podcast. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. 
Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash Sustainable Biz Singapore.